Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's the big boss dog, Snoopy Deagle Double G. This is the Rich Eisen Show with guest host Ben Lyons. Snoop has the incredible superpower of making sense in every single room on earth. How do the horses get to Tokyo? What airline was it? Emirates. They fly That's the horses. They fly the horses on Emirates? And the athletes on Southwest? Earlier on the show, CBS Sports NFL insider Jason LaCanfora, ESPN MLB host Carl Revich. Coming up, host of Peacock's Pro Football Talk, Mike Florio. And now, here's Ben Lyons. All right, welcome back to the show. Hour number three, Ben Lyons in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. We'll catch up with Rich in about 20 minutes or so. Talk some archery. Love watching him call archery matches. I guess they're matches. Hawkeye is taking on Robin Hood. Katniss Everdeen. <laughs> I think archery should be more of a popular backyard sport. Do it safely. Glasses and the guards and all that stuff. But I think it's very meditative and therapeutic. Teaches young people responsibility. Got to care for your arrows. Care for your bow. My niece is seven. She's got a little archery set. Really? Yeah. Did you buy it for her? Well, Katniss. No, our parents got her for for Christmas. Is it a compound bow or just a regular bow? You're talking to a kid from New York City. You think they know the (laughs) difference in bows? She looks like she's in the Hunger Games. I don't know. (laughs) Now, you use the words we don't understand. (laughs) We're going to take them as a sign of disrespect. Jeremy Renner running around the Avengers. Watch your mouth. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) Is it a compound bow? Is it a long (laughs) bow? Is it. Joining the show right now. Mike is from West Virginia, Mike. You know what a compound bow is. What kind of archer are you, Mike? Not a very good one. I remember going to a day camp when I was nine years old, and they had archery, and I made the mistake of pointing the bow straight up in the air and firing it as far as I could, and I got in trouble for that. Because the higher it goes, the farther it goes, and it potentially impales someone on the way down. So that wasn't a good day for me. So I've avoided bows and arrows since then. But the compound bow is that big-ass bow that looks like it has... Uh, the fender of a Buick on the front end of it. That's <laughs> yes. a compound bow. Yeah. yeah, Mike clearly not born and raised in the heart of New York City. <laughs> no, so he's I mean, far, for, far, far for <laughs> familiar with this type of stuff than I am. Mike, we were talking with Howard Beck earlier about the idea of NBA journalists competing on Survivor. How do you think NFL journalists would do, not former players? Well, that would be interesting. I haven't watched Survivor in so long. I can't remember much about it other than they're walking around basically naked and eating bugs. So I don't know that I'd be interested (laughs) in that. I know from time to time the question comes up about, like, fights and Royal Rumbles and MMA matches, and obviously Jay Glazer would win anything like that. But, uh, yeah, it would be be interesting. I'd rather observe it than be part of it, but it would definitely be interesting. Now, I wonder how long Peter King could live off the land. Well, Mike, while we have you here... (laughs) That's a good question. That's a very good question. (laughs) 
Let's, uh, instead of talking uh, hypothermia and how you build a fort, let's talk a little uh, NFL football, shall we? Uh, what is happening uh, in the NFC East? TJ's already crowning the Cowboys as champions. The Philadelphia Eagles are losing on their draft picks because Carson Wentz's foot is broken. <laughs> Rich is predicting Washington going to the Super Bowl and Saquon Barkley's coming back. What is happening in the NFC East? Well, we don't know when Saquon Barkley's coming back, which is concerning because he tore his ACL in week two, not in January. And we're conditioned to believe and expect, as we hear all the time, surgery is a success. Players already ahead of schedule in his rehab. Everything's fine until he's not fine. So I'm worried about Barkley, as are the Giants, I assume. Washington is the team I like in that division. They may be the betting favorites now. They weren't the betting favorites for most of the offseason. But they have a very, very strong nucleus of young talent. They've enhanced that at quarterback with Ryan Fitzpatrick, assuming he can bore, be more Fitz magic and less Fitz tragic, because we've seen in the past, once we buy into Fitzpatrick, that's when he betrays all of us and we start to think he stinks, and then he comes back and he plays well, and it just goes back and forth. But I think they have enough talent to win that division again, and I think they have the kind of defense that as it matures, as it gets one more season under its belt, it could give Tom Brady fits if they cross paths in the playoffs. And I've been saying for several weeks now that the Washington football team is the one team in the NFC that the Buccaneers don't want to stumble across en route to what, now that Aaron Rodgers is back, is, is likely a rematch of last year's NFC championship. Another team that I'm hoping is able to compete with TB12 is cheekbones and white jeans down in Tampa are the Los Angeles Rams. Bad news, obviously, with Cam Akers going down, but the addition of Stafford brings a lot of excitement to Los Angeles. What can we expect from Sean McVay? And I believe it's year five now for McVay. I just wonder how much of Stafford's excitement comes from the fact that it's Stafford or from the fact that they found a way to unload Jared Goff. Because it was obvious by the end of the season they wanted to get rid of Goff. They had their hands tied by the contract that they gave Goff in June of 2019, a contract they never should have given him. And I'll say that now because I said it then as they were getting ready to do it. Don't do it. Don't give them the money they did. And they ended up tucking an extra first-round pick, I believe, into the trade package to get Stafford in order to get rid of Goff. And it's less conspicuous when you do that as part of a broader package than if you would do like the Texans did a few years ago when they sent a second-round pick to the Browns to take the Brock Osweiler contract off their hands. So the bar, the bar is high, and they're welcoming the hype. And I'm, I'm always a fan of managing expectations, reducing expectations. And already Cam Akers gone. That changes the offense dramatically. We'll see what Stafford can do with that offense. We'll see. This is a great test case between the Rams and the Lions. We'll find out a lot this year about whether or not the struggles of the Lions since 2009 were about the Lions, were they about Matthew Stafford? Can you take him out of a bad organization, drop him into an organization that's been good in recent years, and all of a sudden he's a different guy than he's been his whole career? It's going to be fun to watch. Mike Florio joins the show, Peacock's Pro Football Talk. you think Mina Kimes would be trustworthy <laughs> to build an alliance with on Survivor for an NFL journalist? <laughs> I don't think anybody's trustworthy in an alliance. I remember enough about Survivor that ultimately you can't trust anyone. Trust no one. One-man alliance. Unless tr- it's Dwight Schrute. You trust Tua down in Miami if you're a Dolphins fan this morning? I think you have no choice but to give him a chance. The problem last year is the other two quarterbacks taken in the top six along with Tua performed extremely well. And Dolphins fans immediately get very salty when you point out that the Dolphins took Tua 
when Justin Herbert was still on the board and he ended up being the offensive rookie of the year. So it, it, it makes Tua's 2020 season seem like a failure in comparison. And then there's the fact that he got benched on multiple occasions. And then there's the fact that he admitted earlier this offseason he didn't know the offense well enough, which explains why they would pull him in crunch time of a close game because Fitzpatrick did. But why didn't he know the offense better? Why, why wasn't he comfortable with the audibles and the adjustments and everything else that he needed to do? So the, the pressure is on him and the team this year. The Dolphins generally are trending in the right direction. I still don't completely rule out a Deshaun Watson trade, although I think it's highly unlikely at this point. But I think they'll give Tua this year. And, and if he doesn't make a big jump this year, I think they're back in the market next year for a quarterback. Mike, this is uh, something I never thought I would say in my entire life, but I'm going to say it. The depth at quarterback for the Bears fascinates me. <laughs> they got well, when th- you've got Nick Foles buried at the bottom of the depth chart, and now maybe they can unload him onto the Colts for a draft pick. Yeah, it, it really is amazing. They just need one of those guys to come in and play at a high level, which they haven't had since Jay Cutler, arguably Sid Luckman, possibly. <laughs> Great Sid Luckman reference on the show. Did not see that in the rundown heading into Monday here on Rich Eisen. Ben Lyons joined by Mike Florio right now. And you mentioned Nick Foles. Is that the best course of action you think for the Colts as they try to rectify this disaster now at the quarterback position for them? I think it'll be the cheapest and the simplest way out of this. The problem is this range of potential return from Carson Wentz, five to 12 weeks. When have we had a spread that big? Five to 12 <laughs> weeks. What the hell? What has to happen for it to be five and what has to go wrong for it to be 12? But they like Jacob Eason. There have been articles throughout the offseason about how much they like him. Of course, that's kind of how the game goes. You want to pump up your young guys that you hope become something in the future. Foles makes a ton of sense. I don't know how Wentz would feel about reuniting with Foles, but I think Frank Reich could make it work if he had to. And Foles coming in there, and Foles said today he's heard the trade chatter. He doesn't want to go anywhere where he doesn't know anyone. And I think Indianapolis is where he would most want to go if that's how it were to play out. And there aren't a lot of options at this point. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo's floating around out there, and I don't think the Colts would pay him $25 million, but if there was some sort of a deal that would involve a trade and a reduction in his contract, that could be a possibility. But if they would make that kind of move, that would tell me it's 12 weeks or more that Carson Wentz is going to be out. Mike, over the weekend I saw on Instagram that Odell Beckham Jr. bought $1.8 million worth of diamonds for his teeth What's the most amount of money you've ever spent on something to look more handsome? And also, what's his role going to be in Cleveland moving forward? I haven't seen too much of OBJ on the field with Baker Mayfield. I have spent nothing. I, it's, it's a hopeless case, right? I don't, there's nothing I can do. I don't even have a watch right now. I have an, an Apple watch somewhere around here that I lost track of. So I'm very minimalist in that regard. As it relates to OBJ, I think that would be his best approach. Assimilate into the offense don't be a focal point. Stop being the guy who constantly talks about how much he wants the football. I think that was a major distraction for the offense in 2019 when they were trying to settle into a groove in Baker Mayfield's career. And anytime you've got that one guy who is a receiver who is crowing constantly about getting the ball, and it's an issue that's discussed in press conferences, and there's this genuine belief by the receiver that the more I get the ball, the more likely we are to win. I think that makes it so much harder for the quarterback because he stares down that receiver a little bit longer, waiting for him to get open. Maybe he throws it into coverage. If he isn't the open man, the best offense is the one where you just go through your reads, one, two, three, four, and maybe five if it goes that deep. 
and you just throw it to the guy who's open, and you don't worry about who's getting the ball, how many times he's getting the ball. You just throw it to the open guy, and that's going to be the key this year for Beckham. Don't talk about how often you're getting the ball. Just be one of the guys. If you're open and your number's up in the progression, then you're going to get the football. Mike, that is such a challenging ask of Odell Beckham Jr. Hey, Odell, can you just blend in and be one of the guys? He just spent $2 million on diamonds for his teeth. How's he going to be one of the guys? Well, and, and here's the balance. And I think we saw some of this last year. Remember he had that big game against the Cowboys not long before the torn ACL where he was doing it all. He was running the ball. He was make, making the catches, run after the catch. There are ways you can construct an offense to get the ball in his hands without relying upon him to be open. Because what defenses will do, if they know you're going to force the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. early to get him into the game and to get the offense off on the right track, they're going to blanket him so he can't get the ball. But you use screen passes, you use reverses, you put him in the backfield. There are ways to get him the ball where he doesn't have to get open, where he can be part of the offense and he can feel like he's part of things. They just really need to avoid a situation where there's extra pressure on Mayfield to get the ball to Beckham on plays when getting the ball to Beckham isn't the right move to make. Mike Florio joins us right now from Pro Football Talk. So obviously he talks a lot about football. But what is the one story, the one player, the one team that us as football fans are just not talking enough about, you think, here in August? Well, I can't say Aaron Rodgers, although we really have stopped talking about that over the course of the last week ever since he showed up. I think we need to be paying a a close amount of attention to Pittsburgh and what's going to go on there this year. I've said for months now that I think both the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger are going to regret this one more year. And I think there was a lot of optimism that got maybe a little unrestrained in the building between their playoff loss to the Browns and the moment they worked out a deal to bring back Roethlisberger for one more year. I just think they weren't happy with their other alternatives and they didn't see a path to getting a competent replacement. And, and, and I really do think with him now 39 years old, and showing signs of breaking down. He's had issues with his knees. He had the elbow thing a couple of years ago. Their offensive line has had so much turnover. There's a chance, and, and, and I, I regard Mike Tomlin as one of the best coaches in the NFL, and he can maybe find a way to make chicken salad out of this, but I think there's a chance it just all falls apart for the Steelers this year, and when we get to Thanksgiving, both the team and Roethlisberger are going to be saying, at least privately, why did we do this? And, and I think it puts them in play for Aaron Rodgers next year, potentially, once we fire up that engine again in the offseason. Got Brockman all excited over there. Seeing a lot of different facial movements. No, I, I, I totally, I totally agree with Pittsburgh. you. No, also just with Ben, Mike, I think this season's going to be a disaster for them. I mean, they didn't address really any of their offensive line needs, especially in the draft. Like, what, where, what are they going to do? Well, and to have so many guys gone, that whole David DeCastro thing that kind of dropped out of the blue that he's got chronic ankle problems and they cut him. I mean, that was the one guy they were counting on coming back. Right. You've got Alejandro Villanueva gone. You've got DeCastro gone. Marquise Pouncey retired. Kevin Filer signed with the Chargers as a free agent. I mean, four out of five starters in the offensive line are gone. And Big Cat and I got into this argument on PFT Live a few weeks back where he said, well, they weren't very good, so so they won't miss them. But that's a hell of a stretch because the guys who were starters were the best they had. And now they're going to start jamming in other guys and hope it works. And uh, it's 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 a leap of faith that may not be justified. Mike, appreciate you checking in, taking some time. Thank you as always. All right, take care. I'm going to go out and uh, buy a buy a bow and arrow and. Throw my <laughs> luck out yeah, I'd, I'd love to see that. Mike. That Mike have incredible. to hunt for his own lower. food. Yeah, it'd be amazing. I'm telling you guys, we're onto something with this. We just get the eight. You get like eight or ten men and women who cover a particular sport. And have them. Have you ever seen the show Alone? Yeah. 
fantastic. That's right. not Survivor. Alone is for real. Survivor's a good time. It's a game show. You know, alone, they leave you in the Arctic by yourself. Like, nope. put Amin El Hassan out in the woods alone and have him try and live off the land. I'm in. I'm watching. I mean, this. Amin can't even survive a Milwaukee he dunk can't tank. Survive so, like, a segment on our show you know what I mean? <laughs> without saying something that's ridiculous will haunt him for the rest of his life. Make sure no one from Phoenix is there if Amin is yeah. going to be there. Too. I mean, should you eat these berries or not? Are they the poisonous berries? Well, it's not great at making choices. Could be some good television. <laughs> I mean, oh, I'm man. in. This is a fantastic idea. It's such a good idea. Like, who's in charge of building the shelter for on NBA Survivor? Well, on Alone, you have to build your own shelter. So everyone has a different approach. So I could see, like I said, Mina Kime. She's, like, collecting moss and twigs and building it over time while, you know, uh, maybe Dan Patrick's looking for a cave or something. I think it'd be <laughs> This is really a great good. idea. We should, we're going to flush it out. We're going to bring this up with Rich, too. Like, Sports Center host Survivor? Like, come on. Oh, man. I mean, that's obviously Trey Wingo, right? He, doesn't that guy just tell you he lives off the land? <laughs> He's no? always golfing, but yeah. Oh, man. Just the mind the mind takes you to some weird places when you sit in this desk. Thank it. you, Rich. I really appreciate I it. it. We're going to check, uh, check in with Rich. Coming up next, Rich Eisen on The Rich Eisen Show. Ben Lyons filling in for Rich. More radio, more TV coming next. Don't go anywhere. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com Eisen. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices make sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs costs all in before you purchase. So all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Visit GameTime.co for restrictions. Again, create an account, redeem my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. The Oscar-winning actress who played Mona Lisa Vito herself, Marissa Tomei, 
phoning into the Rich Eisen Show. Are you there, Marissa? Hey. How are you doing, Marissa? <laughs> Good. How you doing? I'm fine. So you just get dropped into the middle of the biggest sports story of the year. <laughs> What's this been like for you, Marissa? Uh, I, I get a kick out of it. So, so basically, your phone blows up saying you have no. That guess what? Bill Belichick just dropped Mona Lisa Vito in a press conference. <laughs> yeah, I kind of had to catch up on what was going on and the whole uh, balls gate or yes. the plate gate. <laughs> By the way, that should be the name. Balls gate is a great name of this whole thing. I'm on the phone. Jesse and I texted about it. We thought it was. We thought it was pretty funny. We, we both got a kick out of it. Joe Pesci texted you about this? Well, yeah, I texted him. He texted me. You know, we sent requisite emojis. <laughs> <laughs> what Joe Pesci emojis? Is that that? that it might was, be you the, know, the cute one, the kiss, the blowing the kiss. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That might be the biggest breaking news of this whole thing is the Joe Pesci emojis. <laughs> so, Marissa, seeing Bill Belichick play physics professor, can you, can you, I guess, uh, critique his performance as a physics professor. Was it believable in your estimation? <laughs> I thought it was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty darn believable. I thought he, I thought he underrated himself, didn't you? I thought he went above and beyond. <laughs> well, I've, I've never heard of a football coach dropping physics knowledge like that. He would kick my ass in a physics test right now. I could tell you that. You know. I thought he could have maybe he could have maybe done it with the accent though. Like if there's activity in the ball relative to the rubbing process. <laughs> yes, you know he was talking about the Pretty football. Funny. Right, exactly. So, I love him. Oh, I love him. So let me ask you this final question, Marissa. Yeah. Knowing this character, Mona Lisa Vito, as well as you do, clearly you want an Oscar for this performance. You know this character inside and out. Do you think Mona Lisa Vito could? Acquit Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Get them out of this mess the same way she did Vinny's cousin. That's a lot of pressure on on Mona Lisa. Yeah, do you think she could do that? I, I think she'd want she'd want to because you know who doesn't who doesn't love him. But um, hmm. I don't know. Ultimately, maybe you know she's a New Yorker. Yeah. So uh, she's a Jet fan. <laughs> so. So she'd Mona Lisa Vito would leave Belichick hanging? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I don't know. It depends how many other, how other cases are in the queue, perhaps. Maybe so. <laughs> but he was definitely, you know, dead on balls accurate, as, as she would say. As she would say. Welcome back to the show. The show rolls on. Ben Lyons in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. Imagine Sal Palantonio having a hunt for his own food. <laughs> I'm telling you, Jeff Darlington gets kicked out first. That guy looks shady. You know, I can't trust, cannot trust. What do they call it? They call it tribal. Tribal it? council. Tribal council. I, th- I thought we had a partnership, Tom Rinaldi. No, you backstabbed me. Oh, Rinaldi, don't get me started. Rich, this is what happens when I, when I host the show for you. We go down the rabbit hole with Howard Beck talking about which NBA journalists would win on Survivor. Uh, we were thinking with you on now, which of your, your former colleagues from SportsCenter over the years do you think would live off the land the best on one of those types of shows? <laughs> Howard Beck was so confused for the first five minutes. He didn't know what was going on. He was no, like, he was let like, me Rick, think you about this. Move. This is a good one. Who would live off the land the best? Oh, man. Um, like, who's I, going I, fishing? 
Like is Craig Kilborn like using the <laughs> no the, I don't the, the know arrow? how many anglers there were <laughs> right like yeah, does Trey know. Wingo know how to skin a squirrel to eat it to survive I, mean, I don't know Kenny Kenny Maine is the one most likely to have a conversation with a volleyball. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I'm trying I'm trying to figure out which ways to attack this. Um, attack is so your life know. depends upon it, Rich. I don't know who would be who would live off the land. Like Robin uh, Roberts is the most likely to you want you want an alliance with Robin Roberts. I think I she's know, trustworthy. Like, she is. She's Robin Robin the only trustworthy. trustworthy yes, she's that. the only one I'd form I, an alliance you with. You know what? I, 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 he's he's a little you know soft, but Shap Shap would probably know how to start a fire. He probably yes. would know the history yeah. of fire. <laughs> True. He'd yes. probably know about. The history of wood and chopping wood to make fire, and who was the right. first person to do it. So, I mean, I think he would probably know which how to survive. Um, fascinating question, Ben. Fascinating like I said, question. we go down the rabbit hole when you're not around, and this is uh, this is the kind of stuff we we put in the old Google machine here. I, I don't know what I, I, I don't know if it means uh, anything for what it's worth. We go down a, a lot of rabbit holes as well when I'm there too. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean. There's a lot of rabbit holes. I, think it's a I was I, going. I don't recall there any 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 survivalists. Well, obviously, in Connecticut. Rich, we would know? follow Charlie Steiner to freedom, right? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. When everything went haywire with Y2K, Charlie was there you know, with a lantern. <laughs> um, so that did happen. But that's a good one. I I, I don't know if any of us would survive. <laughs> I don't know. Rich, I've been going down the rabbit hole watching uh, archery highlights, and I've uh-huh. really been enjoying myself. Uh, I, I'm not having as much fun, though, as you're having doing the archery highlights. <laughs> no one's Those having as much fun, fun as Rich. <laughs> did, you, did you know going into this that archery would be something that you would have a, a calling for and a connection to? No, not at all. I just didn't know. I, I haven't done a lot of these ever today there was uh, team cycling that i had to look at the highlights five six different times to understand it you know um and uh <laughs> we're having a lot of fun just putting stuff together you know um we're we're the crew's amazing everybody's having fun having a blast and and then there's stuff that doesn't make air that that would have been great like today there was an upset in um, uh, women's doubles badminton. Big upset. China lost the gold medal and um, to Indonesia. But initially, we got some bad information that we thought uh, it was Thailand that had beaten China. So I had the line all lined up, having not even seen the highlight, that match point, the line would be... <sighs> What's the capital of Thailand? And the answer was shuttlecock. <laughs> <laughs> and we were all so profoundly disappointed to find out that that line would never make air because it was Indonesia. Uh, as we know, um, their, their capital is not Bangkok. But, um, you know, I had to explain that joke to some people who weren't, you know, seven years old and had that happen to them in the third grade. <laughs> um, Usually I don't like when broadcasters already workshop ideas for the big moment, but that one you get a pass on. That that one sounds like it, it should have come to the line. Right, and like we, there was like a back and forth because, um, you know, we, we decided to, to create a segment called Rich's Shuttlecock Minute so I could say the word with impunity. 
and um, basically just spotlight a lesser-known sport every single time with that. And yesterday was the triple jump. And um, subsequent to us choosing the triple jump for the shuttlecock minute, somebody went ahead, um, one of the women who were, were doing the triple jump, set a, a, an Olympic record in her first jump and then a world record in her second jump. And there was a little concern, you know, that we were giving it short shrift because we made it part of our shuttlecock minute, especially since my lead-in was talking about how the triple jump goes all the way back to the ancient games when the Greeks and the Romans were probably drunk and figured, let's hop, skip, and a jump and call it a sport <laughs> with my lead-in line. And <laughs> this is the stuff I'm so proud of. You have no idea. Like, Ben, I'm, I'm proud of my children. I'm proud of this show. I'm proud of our team that we have there in that studio. But this sort of stuff really just lights my lamp. Like, I'm so <laughs> proud of myself to come up with these lines. And we kind of, like, went back and forth. Do we make it a different sport? for our minute and i'm like i kind of like the lead-in so much i gotta stick with it we got we'll, we'll just make it work rich Even eisen i don't know if it's true that it was drunk uh roman <laughs> who came up with the idea rich, rich eisen so. joins the rich eisen show you catch him of course non-stop on tokyo gold tj and i were talking we're like it feels like you're just always on doing highlights mm-hmm. well, um, that's, that's the that's the way dan that's the way you know the old sports centers used to be and um back in the 98 World Series when I was doing ESPN radio broadcast hosting the, the coverage of the World Series and we were in San Diego that was the the Yankees um, win over the Padres when they went 125 and 50 by the way um, and so um, it was my job to interview somebody who was there at the game in the middle of the fifth inning they would have less of a commercial break and give time for me to interview somebody for 90 seconds to two minutes and it was my job to find somebody in the stands who was worthy of that interview like one time it was for game one it was billy crystal and game three it was mcguire who was in the stadium because he had just set the home run record earlier that year and game four which turned out to be the final game i saw charlie sheen the actor charlie sheen and um, I saw him in the stands, and I went up to him, and I said, hey, where are you going to be in the fifth inning? And he told me he was going to be in the owner's suite in the fifth inning to meet him there for that interview. And I met him there in the fourth inning, and I watched an entire inning of that World Series with Charlie Sheen. And at one point he says to me, you know, Rich, um, a couple of years ago, uh, you know, I wasn't doing so well, you know, um, staying up all night and kind of, you know, doing a lot of things. I don't know if you're aware of that. I'm like, yeah, I'm aware of that, Charlie. And he's like, so I would watch you at 10 o'clock at night and then watch you at 11 o'clock all the way through to about 4 in the morning. And right around 2 in the morning, I would know what you were going to say before you said it. <laughs> so I, it's one of these repeats. I'm back in the, I'm back in the, the rear type thing. So. Kind of cool. I'm back in the way back machine here. No, and a great back. fun Hollywood fact, too. You are forever connected to Charlie Sheen's infamous Hollywood all-night benders. I had no idea uh, that I mean, you were a part of that. Hey, I, I was part of the Sports Center Tiger blood before I even knew it. <laughs> I, knew. I had no idea. So Incredible moment. Um, I don't know if everybody watching or listening got a chance to see it, but between the high jumpers who shared a gold medal, that doesn't happen too, too yeah, often. Cool. Yeah. It was incredible, wasn't it? it? I, I, I love that sort of stuff. Uh, I can't get enough of it. And, you know, then you learn the backstory that these two guys, one from 
Qatar, the other from Italy, um, compete each other in, in, in events all over the world. They knew each other. It wasn't the first time they met each other. They were friends. And, you know, they looked at each other, and they, they both had jumped 2.37 meters. Um, and then they moved the bar up to 2.39 meters. Both of them missed it. The tie break, which I did not know on high jump, was how many misses you had earlier. Both of them had made every jump until missing the same jump. And that's when they went up to him and said, hey, you know, we could have a jump off. Or, you know, that's when the, the, the Qatari said, how about can we just get each get a gold? And they're like, yeah, that's possible. And they just said, that's it. And I know others see that. And just like in this world, there are detractors about everything. But I just thought the sportsmanship was amazing. And um, today they they had the medal ceremony, both guys on the top podium, and they put each other's gold medals around the other guy's neck. Wow. That's so awesome. the Italian put the medal around the Qatari's neck and vice versa. And I just can't get enough of stuff like that. It's awesome. It's exactly why we love the Olympics. It should be celebrated more. It has been celebrated throughout these Olympics, those moments of just pure human connection, humanity, compassion, sportsmanship. And then on the flip side, you see for the men uh, in tennis, you see Jokovic just like destroy his racket, throw this giant temper tantrum, doesn't get the gold medal. What would you make of the, the, the implosion he had out there on the court? You know what? It's, I, I don't know what to make of any of it, but in, in the same way that, you know, so many people are criticizing Biles, I'm, I'm just going to take a, a pass on this one. I can't imagine what it's like to be in that Olympic village in the middle of this pandemic and the pressures that are on you for, for your country. And he was playing doubles and singles nonstop. And I know he said something that everyone thought he was referring to Biles and it sure sounded like it. So if so he, his actions certainly belied, um, somebody who can handle the pressure, you know, I, I just don't know what it was, but, you know, like I said, I, I, I prefer to talk about like the great stuff, like mm -hmm. this, the, the, the runner from the Netherlands, Sifan uh, Hassan. And, um, she, I don't know if you saw today, she's running a 1500 meter heat and a Kenyan runner in front of her falls. And she trips over her, and she falls. And she gets up, and she starts running. And she catches up to the pack. And then she's right next to the leaders, and she blows past them. And she won the heat anyway. Somebody falls in front of her. She trips and falls like the ultimate when you have something happen to you. Get up and dust yourself off and keep going, um, which, you know, I, I couldn't believe that. And then 12 hours later, she's running the actual race for the 5,000 meter, the 5K, 3.1 miles. And she wins that. She blows past the Kenyan in that race. Who and, and, and they had to widen out to show both runners still in the screen. That's how far in front she was of everyone. Like the, It looked like, you know, secretariat winning the race, you know, like where, where there was nobody else in, in the framing. And that's on the same day. And that's the thing you also have to remember a lot about these swimmers that they're running, they're, they're swimming heats and then they swim a race and it's just nonstop. It is so grueling. 
but to see a feat like that uh, today, it's one. Of, it's my favorite performance of the Olympics in the first ten days. No, it's truly remarkable what she's doing. Like you said, not only the moment of her uh, of falling down, but just the fact that twelve hours later she's running the five k, and then I think she's doing ten thousand meters or something as well. I read she's incredible. And, and they look so. They look so. Um, and again, you know, speaking as a runner, Ben, um, <laughs> you know, it's they look effortless. Like the top parts of their body from the waist up don't move. It's just their legs, like like the road runner. You know, it's I I don't know how they physically do it. You know, uh, truly amazing. I love watching this stuff, and then I love the field events. You know, the discus, the shot put, the javelin. Um, I, I love it. I love that stuff. They had to stop the discus tonight because it was raining, but the track events they were they ran in the rain, like they kept running in the rain and. Um, the, the, the shots of the slow motion rain falling around these runners was amazing. It was just pretty remarkable. So interesting, Rich, to, to hear you speak so passionately about this experience because you're somebody who's covered sports at the highest level for a long time. You casually mentioned being at a World Series in 98 or working with the NFL, but it feels like this experience from the outside looking in has almost like reconnected you with sports or given you a deeper uh, greater appreciation just for what it takes to be a professional athlete. How do you think your relationship with sports in general has changed from being a part of this Tokyo Gold thing? I don't know. It's been pretty neat, man. It's been pretty neat. But it, the whole thing, just, you know, speaking personally, professionally, you know, being back in the state of Connecticut doing a, a highlight show, it's just like, I, you know, I'm back in a time machine. You know, I'm back in a time machine. It's a highlight program, and I love the fact that, it proves what I think all of us believe um, that there is still a market in this day and age where you see something in the palm of your hand on your phone as it's happening. And you also get reactions and opinions about something that just happened in real time on your phones and your hands, that there still is the need to settle down and watch just a recounting through a well-produced, and executed highlight TV show that will always still work. And I'm, I'm thrilled to be at the tip of that Olympic spear for, for us you know, on Peacock, you know, and I say us because, you know, we're talking on Peacock right now and that streamers mm-hmm. happening while there are so many different ways of consuming things on your, on your phone. Um, the whole thing has been just uh, amazing, but I do look forward to getting back with you guys. Well, as, you're, as you've now immersed yourself in the world of the 100 meters and the javelin and long distance running and the shot put, are you keeping tabs on the fact of, like, should the Knicks commit long term to Evan Fournier? <laughs> like, are you thinking about what the Colts are going to do now that Carson Wentz broke his foot? Or are you just entrenched well, with archery? Well, um, I can still, you know, walk and chew gum at the same time and also ignore the Knicks. Um, so I can do all of that at once. Now, Ben, are you at any way, shape or form hoping that this is the year where, um, (laughs) no, I register rich. I mean, no, no, rich. They're going to be terrible this year. They're going to miss the playoffs. We're we're not focused on free agency 2021. It's all about Zion rich. We're putting it out there. Now we're going to be early on it. So we're really playing for 2024 here. I'm a futurist. I'm Kanye West. I'm living here at the Rich Eisen Studios. (laughs) 
I know you are. Uh, <laughs> I live in Connecticut, and I greatly appreciate that, by the way. No, um, I don't have any real so, expectations for this team. I just don't want to see them commit long-term and give somebody a bunch of money who might not deserve it. And that's classic Knicks. And that's what, this, Today's the new July 1st. Today's August 1st in the new NBA calendar. We're going to see some crazy contracts and, and, and movements a little bit later today. Anything well, exciting you, know, you or have I, you hopeful? I think the Knicks should just stay the course, keep building what they were doing, and then you never know. You're right about Zion. I know he said that Mecca comment, um, and um, we'll see if he actually does that. But it, it is the the length of it all is um, fascinating. You know, on, on Friday show when Ryan Leaf was sitting in there, you know, we were having a conversation, first blush about if Wentz is seriously hurt, what happened. And my first thought was Foles. And Foles had a press conference today where he basically, <laughs> he basically said, you know, like held up a sign <laughs> yeah. or, 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 or a boom box outside of the Colts window, you know, um, like say anything and, and say, take me. Like I'm here. I'm, I'm buried on this depth chart. I, we, you know, the, the rookie already has the veteran to help him, which is why he meant, he mentioned that Dalton is the leader this team needs. Like, Basically, he said everything. Like, Dalton's here, guys. I love Reich. I don't want to go anywhere where I don't know the offense already. It, you know, it, it, just again, another pop culture reference. It was like, Kramer, why don't you tell me the name of the trade you'd like to hear? You know, like, it's, 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 it's there. It makes sense. The ridiculous time frame of 5 to 12 weeks shows you that, you know, you're going to, what, you're going to go into the season with these unseasoned people who are on the roster for four or five weeks when you've got, you know, a team in the division like the Titans who are set to go with Julio Jones, you are going to, you are going to fall behind fast. So getting someone like Foles is the no brainer of no brainers that as long as Dalton stays healthy and doesn't get hurt to the point where the Bears are like, well, now we need Foles there. And I'm thinking the Bears might go through training camp to see if just in case that happens, because, you know, Nagy came on our show right after the draft and flat out said he wants to replicate what he was front and center on the chief staff for, which was to have an off, you know, a, a, a sabbatical year or a freshman sit down year for fields like they had for Mahomes. I, I think they're going to play their cards close to the vest, even though it makes sense to do it now. That may be like a mid-August, okay, Dalton's healthy, we can go into the season with that, we can get rid of Foles type thing. And you know David Dunn, Foles' agent, is probably pounding on the Bears front office right now to get this done. It makes too much sense. It's just crazy how he'll forever be connected to Carson Wentz, and we'll see that right? connection. Continue, I know, right? And it's insane. I know. The, the one other thing that I was thinking about, and I'm wondering, I don't know if you guys can tell me because I have not seen this anywhere, is maybe the Colts call down to a high school in Alabama and see if Philip Rivers is like yeah. eager or any way, shape, or form wants to give it one last swing. I have not I seen mean, that anywhere, Rich. You're the first person that I've heard mention that. Well, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I know he wants to coach, and I know he's with his children, and I know he's probably tapped out mentally thinking that this thing's over. But don't you think the Colts, it would behoove them to just ring him up and say, you know us, we know you, you know 
everything. You know, what do you think? Just one more year, the high school will still be there. I know you've made your commitment, and Phillips sounds like, and is one of those guys who'd be like, no, I've already told the kids I'm coming. You know, I I don't know, but I'm wondering if the Colts have already made that phone call first. I've been the only one saying this. What if Jacob Eason is really good? I know. I mean, why not? What if all these guys are really good? I heard two. It would look good in practice today. You know, yeah, I mean, way, I tra- Trey Lance. Yeah, is it's August, guys. Why not? Everybody Rich. looks good in August. Trey yeah, Lance's sure. first three red zone passes, Ooh. all touchdowns. Oh boy, here we go. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> Jimmy's getting upset. <laughs> Jimmy's looking for a real estate in Indianapolis. Maybe so. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of the archery. We appreciate you so much checking in on your own show. Thanks so much, Rich. All right, Rich. Rich Eisen, checking in. You guys having fun downstairs? You need anything? I'm upstairs if you need me. It's kind of what it feels like a little bit, no? <laughs> partying at the, yeah, we're a little young to be going out. We're partying at the parents' house. Oh, right. I'm right upstairs. And their wrist checks in. You guys need anything? <laughs> I'm here, but you guys have fun down there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got celebrity birthdays in this date in history coming up next. The show flew by today. Yeah, it did. Ben Lyons here for Rich, the Rich Eisen Show. I'm coming back. Battle Creek, Michigan, 1963. Kellogg's and Post, sworn cereal rivals, race to create a pastry that will change the face of breakfast forever. A wildly imaginative tale of ambition, betrayal, and menacing milkmen, sweetened with artificial ingredients. Unfrosted stars Jerry Seinfeld in his directorial film debut. It features a supporting cast of comedy greats, including Melissa McCarthy, Jim Gaffigan, Hugh Grant, Amy Schumer, Max Greenfield, Christian Slater, Sarah Cooper, Bill Burr, and many more. Streaming right now on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. How did you come across Affleck? Ben, I met in auditions for Mallrats back in 1995. Uh, he auditioned for him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he wasn't was Ben Affleck. He was huge, yeah. He had just, ironically, two days before he came into audition, no, the morning of, Hollywood Reporter had an article about how him and his buddy, Matt, had sold this script called Goodwill Hunting Come on. to Castle Rock. So when he came into the room, I was like, oh, I was just reading about you. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, I saw in a trade, you and your buddy sold a script for like 800 grand. What are you doing in here? Why would you audition for this movie? You got 800 grand. He's like, you read the trades? I was like, yeah, we're, we, we should know about our business now. So I knew him like from the early, early on days. That movie didn't wind up happening at Castle Rock. Like a year or two later, he was like, can you set this up at Miramax? We brought in a Miramax. We got to be co-executive producers on that on that script. But on I Good met Will him that, on Goodwill no Hunting. Yeah, my name's me and Scott Mosier, co-executive producers, because we brought the wow. script in. Ben had a window where Castle Rock, they weren't going to make it um, huh. without the, Ben and Matt had director approval. And Castle Rock, there was a guy who ran Castle Rock, one of the partners, Andy Scheiman. He wanted to direct the movie. Mm-hmm. And the boys were like, no, we want, we, they wanted Gus Van Sant because Casey had worked with Gus on To Die For and stuff. And Ben and Matt loved Gus. So uh, they kept ho- holding out for Gus. And then the studio got frustrated, Castle Rock. So they were like, you know what? 
you can take this movie out and you can try to sell it to somebody else. And if you can, go with God. But if not, it comes back here. You guys aren't in it anymore because they were contractually held to it. And we're going to cast uh, Leo and Toby instead. Hmm. So, Matt, uh, Ben called me up because I was very good friends with Ben after Mallrats. I met Matt, like, at the Mallrats screening, like a screening. He's like, this is my other half. This is my Jay, he said. Mm -hmm. So he goes, um, and Ben calls me. He goes, they give me a window to take the script out. He's going, do you think you could set it up at Miramax? I was like, I don't know if I have that kind of juice, but, like, I'll try. Can I read it? He said, yeah, I'll FedEx it to you because we didn't have the internet then. Mm -hmm. So he FedExed me the script, and I got it, and I, I took it into the bathroom. I was like, you know what? I'll start reading this. I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I didn't leave the bathroom for two hours. I stayed on the toilet, got piles reading this script, man. Just turning the pages. was so like, deeply in love, crying. I come out of the bathroom. I got tears in my eyes. Scott Mosher's like, what happened in there? I'm like, I just read this script. That's amazing. So we got it picked up at Miramax to their credit. They picked it up, even though like uh, it came with a lot of turnaround costs. Like the boys were paid eight hundred thousand for it by Castle Rock. Right. In order for it to go to Miramax, Miramax is going to have to shell out a million bucks. But to their credit, they read the script and loved it, and then it went on to win like Academy Award. How about them apples? All right, wow. nice, well done, oh, nice Rich. Segue, Rich. That's good. He's a pro. Yeah, they were right. This show is a lot more than football. <laughs> well done. Welcome back, everyone, to the Rich Eisen Show. Uh, if you were just uh, watching on Peacock or listening on SiriusXM, you heard the, the tail end of a, an old interview Rich had with Kevin Smith talking about Goodwill Hunting. Probably my favorite movie from growing up. First DVD I ever had. Me and my buddy in New York City used to put on the track jackets, go to the batting cages, talk with Boston accents. <laughs> Love that movie. Can I get another double burger? Don't miss the chilling new Peacock original, Dr. Death. Based on the Wondery podcast inspired by the true story of Dr. Christopher Dunch. This series goes deep on the dangerous surgeon who left 33 patients maimed, debilitated, or dead. And the heroes who took him down. Every episode of Dr. Death is streaming now on Peacock. Go to PeacockTV.com to get started. This date in history, what do you got, Brockman? What happened on this date, August the 1st? I swallowed a bug. Uh, August <laughs> 2nd, Ben. Oh, yeah, August, August 1st is yesterday. Okay. It's the 26th birthday of one Chris Stapp's Porzingis. Chris Stapps Porzingis, a man who played one game in the month of May, his first four NBA seasons, sorry, in the month of April, in his first four NBA seasons, a man whose field goal percentage and rebounding did not increase during his four years in New York, who missed over 100 games. It's that guy's birthday? 26. Wow. Celebrate. And Still style. time to turn it around and become Absolutely. a Hall of Famer? I got a lot of love for Chris Stapps. Uh, he took on a lot. You know, he's on the free throw line. Charles Oakley gets arrested. He's like, I'm from Latvia. I'm not from, what is happening? Who is this guy getting arrested? <laughs> so they threw a lot at Zinger. Uh, I, I love this man. I thought he was the chosen one. It's kind of like um, at the end of one of those Star Wars movies when Hayden Christensen goes full Darth Vader. Yeah. And Ewan McGregor's like, I thought you were the chosen one. That's me with Porzingis. <laughs> Hot take, he's probably too tall. If he was like 6'11", I think he's one of the best players in the league. Sometimes when he used to dunk like on the way going up, though, it would just be awesome. And he just never found that next gear. He hasn't found that, that killer, whatever it is, that, that separates the... The very goods from the goods. We were at a, in New York for the show uh, one year a long time ago, and uh, I was at I went to, I went to the Garden with my friend as a dire Knicks fan. Uh, I think 
Booker scored like 50-something that game. I was about to and, say, uh, oh, you went to the Garden? How much did they lose by? Yeah. Uh, they lost by a lot. Yeah. I think, like I said, Booker, I think, was in his second year, scored a ton. I think sure. Porzingis did have like 30-plus, though. It was a fun game. It was always like 19-7, and 22-9. and nine. It was never 35-14 and 14 in a shootout with DeMarcus Cousins, and he just destroyed him in the last four minutes of the game. It was never that. It was never that. Happy birthday. Hey, happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday, buddy. <laughs> hey, happy birthday, Porzingis. Yeah, he averages eight, nine, you're right, 19 and eight for his By career. the way, we, we were talking about this last time on the show about great brothers in sports who mm-hmm. can eat the Porzingis brothers. They don't get enough love. His two brothers, those dudes are serious. Like the I Jokic mean, brothers? Martin Porzingis. That guy's the man. I even the know Porzingis brothers. brothers rule. All right, uh, Kevin Smith's 51, 51st birthday. If you were uh, uh, watching on Peacock, you saw the Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith's one of those guys who really looked out for me at the start of my career, which oh. I appreciated because one of those filmmakers who enjoys the conversation around film and the industry. You even heard him telling that story with Rich, talking about a young age in his career. He'd read the trades because he wanted to learn more about the business. When I was starting out and reviewing movies and doing at the movies and not everyone was a giant fan of me doing that, <laughs> he was. And that meant a lot to me. And he'd send me emails and we talked film and I got a lot of love for Kevin Smith. Favorite Kevin Smith movie? I mean, Clerks is tremendous. It still holds up. The writing just like punches off, jumps off the screen. Yeah. Clerks is the best. Yeah. Mallrats holds up too. Mallrats has got a great casting, some funny moments. Affleck was the Shannon Doherty. Uh, TJ, this is for you. Uh, released this date in 1985. Weird science. <laughs> One of my all-time favorite flicks. What's the line about the dirty ashtray or something? There's some, some famous line. Yeah, from I don't think we can the, necessarily say that. No, we that can't say that. Yeah, it's a family show. Yeah, but yeah. He, he don't even have his license, Lisa. <laughs> like, also, Anthony so, Michael Hall was the oh, man the to man. me back in those man. days, man. Like, some heavy hitters in that movie, oh, man. Yeah. Like, uh, Robert Teddy Jr. plays kind of the like, bully bad guy yeah. and no, it's pouring the icy on him in the mall. Some of those uh, you know, early downy roles uh, you know, are just, he makes so much of what he's given in a yeah. small amount of stuff. And, and you really remember and him. And by the way, Kelly LeBrock, in terms of being on my Mount Rushmore of like <laughs> oh boyhood crushes, Kelly LeBrock Yo. is very high on the list. And uh, yeah, I, I'm a Brockman knows. I love weird science, but yeah, it's one of movie. my Bill favorites. Paxton. Since Bill Paxton, love Bill Paxton. Paxton is the brother. He's I mean, tremendous in that. He is like his own spinoff series or TV show or character. Oh. That character was that just character tremendous. Was awesome, like when Lisa shows up at Wyatt's house to pick him up, and she meets his parents, and his her dad, his dad Al's just sitting there looking at her like, "You go to Gary's? Oh, she went to Gary's house, not Wyatt." Right. It's like you go to school with these guys. She's like, "Yeah." Like, they ever do weird science on stage? I feel like that would be a great play. Think about that. Oh. <laughs> These are the things I think about on the drive home. What else we got? You got okay. anything else? About, uh, Edward to? Furlong, 44. Sam Worthington, 45. Mary Louise Parker. Weeds. Sam Worthington was living out of his car in Australia, just bouncing around Bondi Beach, Manly Beach. And you know what the residual checks look like on Avatar? <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, my goodness. That, All dude, right. that dude should have a bigger career, though, I feel like. Sam Worthington? Yeah. He's now he's back living on the beach. He's not in his car. He's just in a nice house. I think he's Bigger career, bro. He starred in the highest grossing movie of all time. Yeah, is he in all the is he in the sequels coming out eventually? I think so. Yeah. Right. I mean, I so. You can't get much right, 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 right. tough. Yeah, right. Sam Worthington should be a little bigger. The man's in Avatar. <laughs> all right. All right. Big show today. I want to thank Jason and Howard and Carl Wait a and second. Mike. 
and Rich and everybody for checking in. I just realized it's 11.54. I thought we had a whole another hour. The show is man. Over, man. man. We'll see you tomorrow. Holy crap. We got four more days. Team USA <laughs> men's basketball elimination rounds tonight playing the Gasol brothers. The Good night this morning, whenever it's on. It's on Peacock. I'll be watching. I'm going to get a weird men's basketball. Their arch rival, Spain. Should be a good one. Thanks so much for hanging out, everybody. Ben Lines in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. Like this.